Hello, Internet, and welcome to the Sky Simplified podcast, exploring astronomy through a different perspective, one episode at a time. My name is Pranet Sharma, and I am a high school junior, as well as an absolute lover of everything astronomy. With me today, I have Shannon Prindle, an undergraduate at Princeton studying mechanical and aeronautical engineering. And today's episode is all about exploring astronomy through the perspective of an engineer. If this is your first time here, please make sure to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please rate us. The best thing you can do for this podcast is to share it around. So please let your family, friends, postman, neighbors, grocer, plumber, teacher, professor, anyone who you talk to know about this podcast. Now that we've gotten all of that out of the way, it is time to begin. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. So let's get started on today's topic, exploring astronomy through the eyes of engineering. Shannon, welcome to the show. We're glad to have you on. Let's take a minute and please share with the listeners your journey through engineering and kind of your potential intersection with astronomy. Sure. Yeah, I'm so glad to be here. So yeah, my name's Shannon. I'm an undergraduate at Princeton University, uh, class of 2023. Um, I'm majoring in mechanical and aerospace engineering, and I'm getting a certificate in the Planets and Life program, which is just a Another way of saying um, doing, you know, doing classes that surround uh, the field of astrobiology. Um, I kind of got into engineering actually through the sciences initially. Um, I've always been really interested in biology and did a lot of biology research in high school. And I came into college thinking that's the major I wanted to do. Um, but in the end, what interested me most was the creativity aspect of biological research and you can find that same vein of creativity in engineering projects on a more like technical note, whether it's a structures thing or more electronics based, you know, the creativity and the design is there. Uh, and when I started contemplating mechanical and aerospace areas uh, out of just a real keen interest in space, uh, I always knew that my interest lies in the sciences. I want to work on things that facilitate science that are going to advance human exploration of space, that are going to advance our knowledge of the universe. And so I just sort of realized that, uh, you know, when I was thinking about, you know, do I want to get a minor in astrobiology? It was kind of almost a, a no brainer for me because I figure if you're going to do work on projects that are going to, you know, be a rover exploring the surface of Mars, or you're going to do a, make a satellite looking out into the stars, the more you can know about the science that you're you know, satellite or rover, what have you, is doing, uh, the better it can be. So that was sort of my driving force to do aerospace engineering with this combined study in astrobiology. Awesome. That's very cool. I'm really excited to discuss your perspective because I think this is really unique, having that lens of engineering and having astrobiology as well. And, you know, especially exploring the connection between engineering and astronomy. People don't always just like correlate the two fields, but I feel like engineering has been kind of integral to developing astronomy. So kind of to discuss this topic in more detail, I've created a series of questions about your journey through engineering and kind of the overlap between engineering and astronomy. So let's begin. So kind of to start off, um, what's the greatest feat of engineering kind of in terms of astronomy in your opinion? Well, I think the one that always caught my eye first when I was, you know, first just learning about all the satellites that are out there, because satellites were what caught my eye in the aerospace field initially. Um, it was one of like the first kind of projects that I worked on at Princeton that uh, 
led me to want to major in aerospace engineering was doing small sets um, because I was like, man, you know, these are a great way to be doing, you know, work in like the structure side and whatnot, but you are contributing to a project that has this really neat mission goal that can be scientifically oriented. And so in the astrobiology course, we learned about all these really neat satellites that would do, collect the essential data that we need for most uh, studies in astrobiology. And Kepler Space Telescope was always my favorite. I just thought it was just amazing. I mean, it opens so many <laughs> avenues of, you know, data that we never would have had without it. Um, and then, you know, leading into, uh, you know, satellites that then expanded off of that and just got more advanced. The data from Kepler was just so promising that I feel like it then kind of exploded this whole, you know, the idea of being able to collect this really meaningful data that can really show us, you know, planets that are out there, you know, of any, like of all these kind of sizes. Um, so that was always my favorite in terms of just generally the mission goal. Um, now, even though I, you know, I'm anxiously awaiting the launch of the James Webb Space Telescope, I think that's, you know, I mean, the the goals of these and the abilities of these telescopes just keep getting better and better. So I just get more and more excited. I think it's an insane piece of technology and it's gonna just show us so much. And I mean, the level of precision that you need for every little element of it, it's just, it blows my mind, you know, the level of control that they need in their clean rooms uh, at every level. I mean, it's just wild. Like I found the whole concept, you know, crazy for the James Webb telescope is like, you know, they wanted a larger mirror. So they're like, how do you fix this? You can't just send a huge mirror up there. It's like you have it fold and then unfold in space, which is just, absolutely insane yes there's a um there's this really neat series called like big ideas or something i think it's like through cnn or something but uh you there's a whole episode about the space origami guy I forget his name but he it's he's all he had this love for origami and he is an engineer and then it led to just this just such a cool like you know something that seems so futuristic and yet here it is you know unfolding in space it's it is. It's incredible. Just like kind of seeing how far technology has come, right? You were talking about satellites, like the first satellite Sputnik was like literally just like a ball beeping in space. Yes. I find it really funny because like I remember um, there are stories of Americans listening into it with the radio, just hearing it beeping constantly and getting terrified. Like, what are they doing? But like exactly. when you look at what we're doing now, that just seems so rudimentary. Exactly. Yeah. You have entire chains of starlings going across the sky. I saw one of those once in Virginia, I went outside and saw them just one after the other after the other. And that's just one chain. It's just, it's crazy. That's phenomenal. So kind of move on to our second question. So kind of, how do you think astronomy has shaped engineering as a field? Yeah, I think that in terms of like general engineering, astronomy has given us a, a really neat avenue for more scientifically oriented projects. Um, I know for, I for one, when I was first looking into aerospace, always thought that it was, you know, a kind of field where it was either, that it was like a lot of defense oriented uh, work, uh, but especially now uh, that we're kind of in this new space era where we're having all these really neat startups, you have companies like OneWeb, you have Starlink, um, you know, looking at the communication side of uh, satellites, but then on, you know, NASA's front, they just consistently are working on all of these really incredible scientific telescopes that are, their goals are driven by their scientific objectives. Like the entire project is working towards what the NASA scientists need to collect 
in order to discover more planets or to be able to look at the atmosphere of you know what is on these planets um so i feel like it's definitely shaped the course of nasa's projects um and then in terms of like the commercial field i think it started to open up this sort of i think it's provided maybe a bit of optimism being able to see just how much potential you know how many planets are really out there in the universe being able to discover that and see beyond just our solar system you know so far i think it's you know we look now at going to mars one day and i don't think that it's out of the question to think even beyond that um maybe not in this lifetime but in future generations and so now you have these companies that are really trying to think well how can we plan for this future where we're existing in the stars or existing beyond this earth and then you have companies thinking of well we have in space manufacturing we have these things that seem like really like you know year 3000 sorts of ideas but uh I think astronomy has like provided engineering the ability to not only collect, you know, drive a subset of work that is not just for defense and oriented around earth and also it's kind of provided engineering a a pathway for I don't know, just more scientifically oriented projects in general. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I feel like a lot of engineering that we have now astronomy helped like speed that up almost. I think one of the clearest examples that comes to my mind is like if you look at modern airliners like they're incredibly streamlined, very fuel efficient. You know, they can reach incredible speeds compared to like even the 60s. And that was I think a lot of that was because of all the engineering that was done to send people into space, to send people to the moon, like because they had to be really careful with how much weight they were sending up and they had to be incredibly efficient. So I feel like yeah, like as we go into the future that could just keep increasing. Yeah, for sure, especially in like the realm of like precision and like small electronics fitting everything that you can into these satellites and again, yeah, the mass saving aspect. I think even though I'm a bit more on the mechanical side than the electrical side, I think that that's a really interesting like advancement that came out of all the work that's been done on satellites, especially all the crazy mirrors and the folding origami again that has to be done in order to accomplish these really far out goals. Yeah. So kind of asking, you know, the flip of that, like how do you think engineering has shaped astronomy as a field? That's a good question. I think that you know, engineering is the limiting factor. Like it is the limiting reagent, I think in the equation of how much can we discover about the stars and how much can we discover about the universe. You can think of, I mean, I can think of a million questions and I'm sure you can too that we all want to know about what lies out there, but then the hardest part is how do we make an instrument sensitive enough how do we make an instrument look far enough and i think engineering has maybe sort of put a i'd almost say like a a limiter on like the the goals that we like that strongly looks at over time like it's very incremental in our steps like thinking for example like the steps between like kepler and like tess like there you know we we had, we learn from that satellite and then we we go further and we we advance the technology and so i think that it's not necessarily a negative thing that it's like a, you know kind of limiting i guess the flow it's just like we we provide the data for maybe making reeling in big ideas into more realistic chunks and also maybe making therefore the ideas more achievable in the context of like of the political and like economical standpoints of things because you know it's hard to come forward to you know ask for 
money for a really moonshot, you know, project, it, it makes a lot, people are much more willing, specifically, you know, funding from NASA or whatnot, to fund an idea where you've shown, you know, that there's technology readiness level for so much parts of your satellite, and you're adding on, you know, a new experimental bit. It's not like it, the whole thing has a risk of, you know, not working out. You, you, you always guarantee you're going to make progress. And I think the engineering has provided like a, a realistic avenue for these goals to be achieved. It, I feel like it's also keeping astronomy in check to some degree. Like, you know, we can, there's, there's like a very interesting conversation I had on this podcast, like about whether we're reaching too far too fast. And that's always a concern with science. Like you want to be careful about, you know, how far you go. So I feel like this could just be a naturally inbuilt kind of inhibitor to, you know, doing things that are out of our reach, right? Because like definitely scientific progress is, ne- is necessary, but we don't want to get into things that we aren't able to control. So yeah, I feel like engineering could also play a role in that aspect. Mm-hmm. So kind of branching out a little bit, um, let's talk about engineering in more detail. So do you think like aeronautical aerospace engineering has kind of affected other fields of engineering as it's kind of developed with the progression of astronomy research? Yeah, I think, I mean, like, I mean, I think your plane example earlier was a fantastic, you know, example, uh, thinking just like off the top of my head of like biology, like the more that we can learn about, for example, um, you know, just structures in general, like their performance in different environments, their performance, you know, designing things to be more streamlined, that can apply to areas like biology. When you're looking at cells, they're not just, you know, it's not just limited to, oh, the chemical reactions going on on inside, you know, there are structures to cells, like biomechanics is really important. And you can learn, the more you can learn about, for example, fluids through looking at optimization of an airplane, the more that you can look at, um, fluid mechanics at the cellular level like it's it just scales down like it doesn't change fundamentally at its core whether you're looking at a cell or you're looking at an airplane um of course electronics you know aerospace engineering you can't you're gonna need things to be powered and again like i think um for example looking at like rad hardened uh you know spacecraft uh, hardware um that's a really neat you know vein of protecting electronics in harsh conditions uh, you know, thinking of, of course, like civil engineering, you know, the structures ties there between civil and aerospace. I think that, you know, engineering sort of filter or aerospace engineering specifically, like will filter no matter, even if it seems crazy to think that a plane could affect what, how you study a cell, like everything is a little bit connected. Cause like the fundamentals are all just present in every field of engineering. Is kind of what you're saying is like, all of engineering is interlinked to some level and like as each separate kind of field of engineering develops it develops engineering as a whole yes cool. that's a very fascinating idea to think about so yeah so if you would say like there's if you say like one field is integral to engineering that people normally wouldn't think about right like for example people may know that okay engineering is going to use math and physics but like if you say there's like an unsung hero in the field of engineering that like really supports engineering as a whole but people don't really think about what would you say it would be Hmm. it's a good question i think maybe this is a controversial opinion i think that like reading writing like humanities like that I think is really essential to engineering because again, like we're just talking about how all these fields are interconnected, but if you publish, you know, if you're trying to convey to a biological engineer about your advanced fluid mechanics studies on an airplane 
and you're just using all these big fancy words that, you know, are very specific to the field and aren't breaking down the explanation of, you know, why at the fundamental level, then those fundamentals, if they stay like very abstracted at that top level where you can't really digest it down, because you when you're when you go from airplane to sail, you have to go you have to go airplane and then you have to break it down to the fundamentals and then build back up to this new realm of a cell. But if you never do that breakdown properly, you can't communicate your ideas and your findings properly, then scientists in any field can't properly use your research to the fullest extent. So I think studies in, you know, you know, for example, taking core writing classes in college, I think that's really important because it makes you a better writer, it makes you a better communicator. Um, and also thinking about, you know, other fields in humanities like sociology, uh, it's really important. I took a really interesting class uh, just this pa- uh, last spring at Princeton about technology and society. And you just see that, you know, technology, technological developments, they, they are intertwined with our society and, you know, how we develop. And likewise, how we develop affects technology and our perceptions of it. And it's just, there are just so many cool avenues that it makes you a more well-rounded engineer, I feel like. So I know that's, it's weird to think that, you know, I would say something that, yeah, isn't physics or math, but I really do think it's integral for all engineering fields. Yeah, actually, it's really cool that you bring that up because like in the last episode of this podcast, we discussed how journalism, specifically like science communication, was very essential for forwarding astronomy as a field. And I feel like that's really a common theme throughout science, right? A lot of people discredit that. You know, I have several STEM-oriented friends who are like, oh, I hate English. I just don't want to do this. But it's actually, you know, it's essential to developing the science as a whole. And like, I think there was actually that was a really good point that was made in the past episode. Like, if people don't know about what science is happening, like, is it even going to have an impact? And like, in your case, definitely, like, if other people aren't, or if other scientists themselves aren't understanding what's going on in different science fields, how is collaboration going to occur? How is, you know, that kind of forward thinking, that syncretism going to occur? So yeah, I agree with exactly. that. Exactly. And that was actually, that was in a whole other class that I took in my, in my freshman year. It was literally a freshman seminar uh, called, it was called Life on Mars, or maybe not. And it was genuinely just about scientific journalism, interestingly taught by a, uh, an astronomer and, and a journalist. So like there were, there were two, we had the two contrasting opinions and it was just really neat to look at, yeah, you know, how journalism can both propel science forward and make these stories big, but then at the same time, you have to find that balance in there of, you know, and this is a whole, probably a whole other podcast topic, but that balance of getting people excited enough to read your article, but also not being all clickbaity and getting them to, you know, just maybe exaggerating a little too much. It was, it was so, yeah, so many cool, like, intersections of humanities is all I'm trying to say. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of nuance to be explored. I think this, that makes their, like, intersection even more interesting because, like, this is kind of, I don't know, call it a good thing or a bad thing about the humanities, but there's no, like, one right answer. As long as you have enough evidence to support it, you know, whatever you say can go, like, versus in science, right? You can't say, you know, the sun is actually a planet. Like, that statement is objectively wrong. You can't be making statements yep. like that. So I feel like when those two, you know, pure objectivity versus pure subjectivity collide, like, that makes a very interesting interaction. So Yeah. <laughs> so do you think, like, astronomy is going to be more important to engineering as we go into the future? I feel like, I mean, like, considering 
when the space race was occurring, astronomy was really fueling engineering because there was that political drive. But that's kind of dried mm-hmm. up a little bit now. It's kicking in a little bit with like commercial startups, but it's still not at that level. So what's kind of your thought of the prognosis of kind of how astronomy drives engineering as we move forward? Yeah, whenever I think of the future of engineering in the aerospace realm, I just think of commercial space because I think, like you said, that political driving force isn't there as much anymore. And now we have all these amazing companies starting up that are going to provide us with services from getting off the planet to operating on the planet and in orbit and what have you. Uh, So I think that astronomy is going to, the more we can learn about what is around us and what else we can discover, the more we can think of maybe products or, you know, certain spacecrafts or or whatnot that we can then develop and build. And now it's no longer a matter of, oh, you know, NASA has one satellite that they work on and they're going to work on it for years and it's going to cost tons. You know, now we have, for example, companies where their whole entire thing is just making small sets. And sure, they're tiny, but they're cheap and they can do a lot of things if they work, for example, in arrays. And then we can maybe start to move away from this idea of, you know, one big, you know, uh, one big machine that has worked on for years and it's the launch is it's it's all or nothing. Um, Maybe we do more incremental, more modular approaches where multiple companies collaborate. Uh, You know, not that NASA doesn't, you know, of course they work with the private space industry, you know, every little bit of, you know, NASA hardware is a little bit from this company, a little bit from this contractor, but now we have companies that will direct their own mission objectives and they'll get their funding, not from, you know, of course, you know, NASA funds a ton of private space companies, but they can get a lot of funding also from venture capitalists. Maybe you run into, you know, venture capitalists can have any wide range of interests. They could be an astronomer themselves that's really passionate about getting their idea like these moonshot moonshot ideas quote unquote i realize i couldn't you couldn't see that because it's a podcast uh quote unquote moonshot ideas you know into fruition and make them feasible by funding up these startups or these long-lasting companies who can you know work with i guess be a little bit more agile than nasa may be, be a bit more nimble maybe take more risks and also work in smaller increments as opposed to large kind of like planting the flag sort of uh goals I think that, yeah, that's a very interesting kind of thing to think about, right? Like a lot of, you know, the patriotism or nationalism that was associated, I think, with astronomy has died down, but that's a whole different conversation. Um, So, yeah. So kind of what would you say is like your favorite intersection of engineering and astronomy? I think my favorite intersection of it would be rovers. I... I just love rovers. I think they're really cool. I'm currently working at a startup that's working on commercial planetary rovers for the moon and Mars. Um, But of course, you know, the most relevant piece of news nowadays is uh, Perseverance. Um, And I mean, it's just so cool to be in this era where we're landing these massive rovers on Mars. You never realize how big they are until you see it compared to something when you see a person standing next to it. I remember the first time I learned how big Curiosity was. I said, no, that's not... I thought it was the size of a puppy. I was so blown away. And it has just the most amazing instruments. You get to, you know, I went back and forth between, um, like during the launch of Perseverance, I helped like host a little live stream uh, for our rocketry club. And I was looking at uh, the past website for Curiosity, all of like the scientific objectives and the instruments going back and forth and comparing between Perseverance's instruments and Curiosity's. You can see how much they've, you know, 
advanced in the short period of time and how much more interesting things they're going to do. The sample return, I am so excited for that to happen. That's just going to be incredible. And I think that, you know, that is that is at its core the best intersection of, you know, astrobiology, astronomy and and and, and aerospace engineering is the aerospace, you know, no matter if you're working thinking through, you know, how you're going to analyze you know, the soil that comes back versus uh, how you're going to collect it and store it properly. You're all working towards this really cool goal, which is figuring out if there was ever life on Mars, if we're alone in the universe. I mean, that's just, that's the coolest thing to me. <laughs> it's, it's super exciting. And especially, I feel like rovers are basically setting the benchmark, right? Like, we're also trying to figure out, are these worlds livable by humans? And like, if there is going to be human life on Mars at some point, rovers are going to be the first source of data. So... Yeah, that, exactly. that's, that's awesome. Yeah, the in-situ uh, resource utilization experiment, it would be the first one conducted on Mars. I mean, there's just so many cool new things in this. And it's really just, yeah, thinking forward to the future. We're really paving the way, starting to for, yeah, human, human residency on Mars, maybe. Fingers crossed, yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> so this has been an incredible conversation. And kind of just to wrap things up, if there was, like, one thing that you could say to, like, any of the listeners, the, the teachers, the students, the engineers, the astronomers who are listening, kind of what would it be? Know that you can always combine your interests. You don't have to give up on one just because you're majoring in another. It doesn't even have to necessarily be, oh, I'm minoring and I'm taking the necessary classes. You can always stay engaged in this field. You can read up on the articles they could publish, maybe the more scientific journals. Uh, and you can still find companies. I mean, nowadays we're just in this plethora of startups and you know venture capital starting to fund all these really neat ideas that just couldn't exist before when we had really big conglomerate companies. Um, and so just know that no matter what your combined interest is, you can you can make it work. You know you don't have to. I thought I was going to have to give up on astrobiology, cast it to the side, but you don't have to. You can you can. Find a way to make it work either in terms of the classes you take, in terms of just your own personal, you know, knowledge enrichment and, you know, exploration of just what's happening in the scientific world, or, you know, going and working at a company that you'll be surprised combines your very niche set of interests. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I hope you listeners are all a little bit more enlightened. I know I sure am. Is there anything that you want to plug, like social media or websites? Uh I guess I have a Twitter. I have I have a Twitter. It is at Shannon P seven, and Shannon is spelled with an E. Uh, sometimes I retweet cool things in the aerospace industry, and you know, just gotta love space Twitter. It's a very great place. <laughs> I agree. I agree. So I will put that in the description of this episode. So thank you so great. much for coming on again, listeners. If you have any questions, make sure to drop them off at skysimplified.com. Until next time, clear skies. The Sky Simplified podcast is created, hosted, edited, and produced by Pranet Sharma. The music is by Pranet Sharma. For questions about the show, go to www.skysimplified.com. As always, thank you for listening and clear skies.